rather is in chaos, well the world is. Those that are in Christ understand that we have victory only in Christ. And this morning I have uh, really had a heavy heart all morning long, for a few days rather. And hear me closely, not so much because of what is going on, but because we had rather spend our time nitpicking and pointing fingers than to being on our face and crying out to the Lord. When we're more upset over a building being burned down than we are a soul in peril going to hell, something's wrong. Our nation needs Jesus. And it's our, our, if you're watching, responsibility to deliver Him. You were not saved to get in a political argument. You were not saved to win an argument. You were saved to be a witness. And we were called and we were commanded to go ye therefore. We were commanded to teach them, to preach the gospel, to show them the truth. And it's time that we, the church... Start doing it. So I want you to join me this morning in prayer for our president, for our governors, for our city leaders, but most of all for Jesus Christ to move the Holy Spirit to have His way in the church and the church to be the church because there's only one hope for this nation and it's not going to be found in a SWAT team or by rioting or doing anything else. It's only going to be found in Jesus Christ and the church needs to quit pointing fingers at people and start pointing them to Jesus. So let's join in prayer this morning. Lord, we come to you and lift you up. We thank you. We have the privilege to come to you. Lord, and we have access to you by the provision, Jesus Christ. And we lift up your name today. I ask, Lord, that you would stir this nation, but Lord, stir the church. Let it begin in the church. Lord, forgive us for being worried about our facilities and programs and buildings. Lord, but let us draw near to you. Lord, your word says if we do, you'll draw near to us. And I pray that you begin to stir in our hearts, Lord, compassion. Lord, that we would give them you, that we would share the gospel without reservation. Lord, that we would know whose we are and who we are in Christ Jesus, and that we would deliver hope. Lord, I pray that you would give wisdom to the governments, to the city leaders. Lord, that you would give protection to the law enforcement. Lord, even bring peace in the middle of chaos. Lord, it's a voice. They're a voice who wants reasoning, who wants to be heard. And Lord, we've got that. But Lord, let them hear you call them to them and let them be drawn to you. Father God, I pray that you would end racism and and segregation and bigotry in the church, Lord. Lord, let it be removed and let us be one body for one purpose and to lift up your name and to cry out to you to forgive us and heal our land, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you're still worthy. We thank you that you're moving and that you will bring change. We give you the glory and the honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This morning, if you have tithe and offering, you can bring it and drop it off. The children are going to uh, to Wexford House to, to minister.
and uh, bless them as they go. all right. We got fans on. Uh, Turning your word this morning um, to Galatians 3. We'll also be in Ephesians chapter 2. Be in a couple places, a few places. I thought I knew what I was preaching and on, 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 on using for a, a subject, if you will, as early as Monday, but that all changed Thursday afternoon. And uh, that's sometimes just how the Lord does things. I thought I was on cruise control, but little did I know, uh, I was not. But this morning, I want to minister, and this is a thought that I was captivated by Thursday. Actually, and, and, and it has no, there is no spiritual relevance or a, or a glorious moment. I was driving literally to the dump <laughs> and coming home. Uh, so it wasn't like I was, you know, it was just there. But I was captivated by this thought, and it was really, I know the Holy Spirit that dropped this into my my, my thought and my, my, my spirit, if you will, and using for a title this morning this very subject, the devastation of the digital age. I know that I don't expect you this morning to shout me down. I don't expect you to come and, and, and do, but I'm going to tell you, I know the day is Pentecost Sunday, but if all we are, if all we are recognized by as being Pentecostal is our shout, then something's terribly wrong. That's a part of it, and I encourage, and I, I, I love it. I, I love getting excited. I love all of that. There's more to being Pentecostal than speaking in tongues. The church needs to understand that we are the body of Christ, and we need to be the church. But the digital age, and we all are aware of this, that things aren't the way they were in the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, the, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Uh, I never thought that you could take a picture with a phone and, and send it to somebody like that when I was even in high school. I never would have imagined it. I never would have imagined when, when we were winding our little cameras, our little disposable cameras, that we one day would, we could have thousands of pictures in our pocket on a phone. I never realized that, and I never imagined that. I, I never imagined that the Internet would be a, such a vital part of of what is going on in technology and all of those things. I never would have imagined it, but it's here. It's not going away. You can, you can, if you still have a rotary phone, that's great. If you use carrier pigeons, that's terrific. But there, this is a different time, and it's here. But Jesus Christ, let me, before we, he's the same. His word's the same. The ways are the same. His method's the same. It's all the same. But Galatians 3 and verse 1 tells us, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And, and, and this captivated my thought, the devastation of the digital age. So how much destruction has the digital age caused? And speaking, I'm not just talking about digital files and digital cable and all of these things, but how much destruction has come to the family? So I was captivated by this thought, and this term bewitched in the commentary says malignant influence. We know the terminology malignant tumor or benign, and, and malignant tumor is not a good thing because it's spreading, it's infecting the whole body, and this very thing is infecting, it's spreading, and the question is today, and I pose to you, who has or what has bewitched you, captivated you, what has done that to you guys? I all want you to join me in a special activity this morning. I want everybody to take their phones out, because we all got them. And I want to show you guys a neat little trick. You can, you, mine works this way. I hit both top buttons, and, and this little neat device comes up. It says, slide to power off. And I'm going to turn my phone off. And I encourage you this morning to turn your phone off. Because it don't matter who likes you on Facebook or what kind of text you're going to get, or what kind of notification you may receive, it has no meaning. What, what matters today is that Jesus Christ desires to move and work in your life. The Holy Spirit desires to change you. But here is the problem. This has become such a vital part of who we are and what we do and what we depend on. Some of you may even feel anxious right now. Oh my God, I turned my phone off. What if I get an email? What if I get a text? So what? What if somebody calls me, they can call you later. When I was growing up, they'd just keep calling. We had an answer machine, but we never, we never checked the answer machine. And the world kept going, and we're still alive. We laid in the back, back window of a car, of a Galaxy 500. We, and my mom, would, my mom would crank the car, and she would call her Bessie. Come on, Bessie. Whoa, 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 whoa. And we were fighting to see who could lay in the window in the floorboard. I know times are different. But, but listen to me carefully. God desires to change us from what we have become. We have depended on these things, the computer and everything else, to teach us about what He desires to teach us. And the only way it's going to happen is you're communicating with Him. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit the time He deserves? And by the way, He deserves all of it. To change us. Are we truly walking as children of the light? And you read that in Ephesians 2. We'll get there later. But are you walking as children of the light? We're living in a time where evil is rampant. The Bible says the, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. So therefore racism is real. Bigotry is real. It's rampant. Not, not just in the world but in church. Hatred's real. Vile and lewd lifestyles are real. And these are all symptoms of sin. So, so this is not a message addressed to those that are out marching the streets right now without Christ in their life and tearing down the, the, the cities or whatever. This message is addressed to us, the church. It's time for us to wake up. Wake up! Because guess what? The world ain't going to get no better. It ain't going to get... We're, 
We're not going to sit around the campfire and sing uh, melodious, uh, melodious harmonies. Or, how do you say it? Or kumbaya. Or play Ring Around the Rosie, Pocket Full of Posies. Or Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Brian right over. Y'all remember that game when you were kids and you try to kill somebody when they come through? Maybe that was us at Warlick. I don't know, but we were just a little bit wild. But anyway, who has or what has bewitched you? For some, it may be the very thing that you just turned off. I hope you did. did didn't fool me. If you, you, if you, fool, you may have fooled me because I, I think you turned your phones off. Don't forget to turn them on later. But anyway, the phone, it's computer, and, and, and many consider this thing their lifeline. Our kids go nuts. Mom, I can't hear you on my phone. When you know, when you call me, I say, what, 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 what? So I can get me an iPhone 17 and, and have 17 cameras, and I can take pictures from every angle. <laughs> Look at this, folks. The fish lip is alive and well. 77% of Americans have smartphones. I know there's some of us who don't. That's fine. 47% of those say that they can't live without their phone. 62% of people who have them buy things with them. I do. $204 billion were generated from download of apps in 2019 alone. 204 billion apps were, were downloaded. And from that, $188 billion was generated. It's a different day, it's a different time, it's a different era. But Jesus Christ is the same. So some of the effects of, of, of this digital age, some of the devastating effects, do you know that the average person has an attention span of eight seconds? Eight seconds. Studies show that goldfish have an attention span of nine. We literally have an attention span shorter than a goldfish. Because we're, if information don't come fast enough, we got to scroll. Where is it? We start seeing something. We scroll to the next thing. We flip to the next channel. Men, we do it with TV remotes. And I ain't watching a commercial. Well, I like this one, but I don't really like this. And so I'm going to flip back to another commercial. Our eight seconds? And, and, and listen, we think that we're going to captivate people. With some, with some miraculous program, beautiful facility. Most of us are walking around with, an, with a thousand or twelve to fifteen hundred dollar phone in our pocket. And, and we think that we're going to captivate people by things we do. Studies show that, again, goldfish have a, an attention span of nine. An individual will check their phone on an average of 110 times a day. 86% of those people will do it while they're talking to you face to face. 69% of people check their phone within five minutes after they wake up. And anxiety is even higher when, you're, when you don't have your phone. Narcissism is real. It's out of control. It's, it's stolen the show, if you will. And studies show that those who use their phone for more than five hours a day don't sleep very well. Teens who are on it five plus hours a day are 71% more likely to have suicidal tendencies. And we parents are putting it in their hands and in their pockets to entertain them and we're setting them up for the, for the enemy just to have his way. 
I, listen, our kids have phones. I'm not saying that, listen, don't get, this is not the devil, okay? I'm not here to say phones of the devil, go out and bash it with a hammer. If you're going to, just don't do that because it's one, you're going to buy another one, you're going to waste money. It's out of control. People are always on this. Go out to eat. There is no family conversation. There is no conversation with one another because people are constantly looking at their stupid telephones. Nothing's real. It's all fantasy. 56% of web traffic comes from a phone. 71% of parents don't even know their kids' phone numbers. That's me. I don't know what it is. I just know it's Noah, Sage, and Sawyer. Call Sawyer. I'm too lazy to even flip through and find the thing. Call Sawyer. Call Sage. 47% of parents think that their childs are addicted to the phone. Hello, you can do something about it. Because last time I checked, the parent is still the authority in the house, or should be. My kids are probably like, oh my God, I'm never, I ain't going to get to get on my phone today. We swipe, tap, or click our phone an average of 2,617 times a day. And I'm not here to preach about phones. We're just getting started. Hold on. Memory is almost lost. My phone number growing up was easy. It was eight. We didn't have the whole area code. It was 824-8241. And I know that a guy named Lee's was 824-8242 because I prank called it and that's who it was. <laughs> Most people remember the phone number of 8675309. That was a Gastonia phone number. and I guess if they had it, they got a lot of phone calls. But I remember my address growing up, 1332 North 2nd Street, Ranlow, North Carolina. I remember Summer's address, 413 South Gaston Street. That was their address. Yours is 421. <laughs> yeah. Durr. I thought I remembered it. <laughs> but memory is almost gone because we don't have to remember anything because we store it in a phone or on, a, on our computer or somewhere or whatever it may be. We don't remember things anymore. Let me tell you something. The enemy works in subtle ways. The Lord works in suddenly ways and suddenly the enemy has crept in and robbed us from things that we don't even realize are being stripped from us and being taken away. And all of a sudden, what has been eroding for years has become the Grand Canyon and now we're like, oh, oh my God. So it's almost gone. The personal conversations are shallow. Families don't talk to each other because they're indulged in nothing. Nothing. Meanwhile, Americans are, are fond of the Bible, but only 11% of Americans who have a Bible have actually read it. 11%. Only 24% of believers believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God. Not even a quarter of believers believe that God's Word is the literal Word of God, that it was inspired and it, it's, it's infallible. They don't believe it. So and we're surprised that what is going on in our nation, in our world, why are we surprised? 
When the church don't even know whose they are, there's a huge identity crisis because most people, and I might get in trouble, but it's okay, I've been in it before, think that I'm Church of God, or I'm Foursquare, or I'm Methodist, or I'm this, or I'm that. Let me tell you something. God said that you are His and your identity is in Christ. It's not where you go to church. It's not what you play. It's not what you do or a name tag. It is only found in Christ Jesus. So when not even a quarter of believers believe that the Word of God is literal, we've got a huge problem. 64% of Christians say that they have shared the gospel. But what gospel are they sharing if, if only 24% believe that God's Word is His Word? I preached a message a while back and, and, and I used for a title then, The Prodigal Generation. And I want you to, to indulge me for just a moment and I'm going to go through and I don't, I'm not staying here long, but 65% and I want you to stand if you are born within this age era. 64% of the builder's generation, born, that's those born 1927 to 1945. If that's you, would you stand? I thought you was born before then. <laughs> 64, uh, 5% of this generation were cl or claimed to be evangelical Christians. 64%. The boomers, those born 1946 to 1964. If you're here, stand up. If, if that's you, 1946 to 1964. If you're in the boomer generation. From one generation to the next generation, those that claim to be evangelical Christians, believers went from 65% to 35%. Thank you guys. Gen X, that's me. A Gen Xer. <laughs> Those born in, from 1965 to 1983, if that's you, stand up. Look at all of us. Us young little buckaroos. <laughs> anyway, it went from, from the previous generation of 35% of believers to 16%. Generation Y, the ones we've made fun of for so long, those that are running our country now, the millennials. 1984 to 1994, if that's you, stand. These are the really young buckaroos, I'm just kidding. So, from my generation to the next generation, believers went from 16% to 4%. Now the Gen Z are those, and you can stand if you're in here, if you would like, 1995 to 2012. We don't know the numbers because they have not been run or not been believed, but I will tell you that this generation right here standing, who is still the church of the day, by the way, two-thirds of their, their population say that they are heterosexual, meaning I like only women, if I'm a man, or if I'm a woman, I like only men, only two-thirds say that they are heterosexual exclusively. This is the lowest numbers in history, but we have went from the builders to 65% to the generation of millennials they call Gen Y 
to 4% and we don't know what the numbers are now and we sit and we're in shock and we're in awe but it did not start today. It did not start yesterday. It started years ago because Terrence and I actually had a little bit of this conversation at the table last night. Where is the fathers that's talking about the one when we're instructed in the Bible in 1 John talking about the, the children, the young men and the fathers of the faith. Generation to generation, the word being passed down, taught, instructed, and lived out, not just preached at. We've gone from a people of morals to media junkies who think that we can say what we want, do what we want, act like we want, and live what we want just because we can. The Bible also basically instructs us in Corinthians, and I'm going to put it in paraphrase here, just because you can don't mean you should. When your freedom is a stumbling block for another, it's not a longer a freedom, it's a problem. I don't blame society. I don't blame society for what's going on today. I don't blame them at all. I blame the church. While we fought over who was right and who was wrong, while we've, while we've spent money and we've polished our programs, we've spent millions on facilities, we've paraded around like, I've got the answer, we are the it today, and we've got it going on. People are still dying and going to hell and we act like we don't care. And it's time to realize that there's more to life than looking at a phone, a tablet, a computer, and they're needed. Don't get me wrong. If you have them, you're not going to hell. I've got one. But there's more to life than that. And I came to remind you today that Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood and your lifeline is not provided by AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile or anybody else. And I'm here to tell you to hold on to Jesus. I'm as guilty as the next person of wasting time. I'm, I'm as guilty as that, uh, that person who flips through or whatever else. But if anybody's following you, they ought to be following you to Jesus. When your day is determined by how many likes you get, something's wrong. This generation, this, the, especially the younger that's just stood up, they want to know how many likes, how many followers, how many views did this thing get? This is what they're driven by. And we may not understand that, but this is real. We're the most informed society in the history of the world, but we're the most out of touch society ever as well. If I preach about being blessed, I'm a prosperity preacher. If I preach about sin, I'm too harsh. If I preach on tithing, I'm a money-hungry bum. But I've determined 11 years ago, what 2 Corinthians 2 and 2 says, I, I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm going to preach the Word, whether you like it or not. If it hurts your feelings or not. We need to sometimes have our feelings hurt, because that's what God does. He addresses the issues in our life. Israel made a video yesterday about weed in the garden. This is what he wants to do. He don't want the weeds of life to choke out life in you. You can call us out of touch, old-fashioned, holy rollers, tongue talkers, pew hoppers. I don't care what you call us. It makes no difference to me. We're going to preach the blood. We're going to sing about the blood. Jesus said it on the cross that it's finished. I can't, you can't, nothing needs to be added to it because His work is finished. And we need to rest in it. <coughs> Your identity is not found in Instagram. 
Your faith is not in Facebook. Your triumph was not given through TikTok, nor does your shout come from a Snapchat. And some of you probably don't even know what those things are. Well, they're real, they're apps, and they're used quite often. Well, I don't have no Facebook. That's just of the devil. No, it's not. Listen to me. It's not of the devil. And you're not, if, I'm not here. I'm not that guy. Listen to me, church of the living God. We've got to get back to the altar. We've got to get back on our face before God Almighty and let Him do what only He can do. See, in Acts, in Acts, and, and I didn't really plan it this way, but in Acts, they were meeting in an upper room. In Acts chapter, they were meeting in an upper room not to, not to strategize a plan, not, to, not to, to pick each other's brains or sit around the round table of the smartest folks in town. They, they met to, and they were in one accord. They were praising our praying. Acts 1 and 14 says they continued with one accord with prayer and supplication. We can't be in one accord for more than an hour and a half. Because, I mean, dear God, are you going to go past 12 o'clock? Are you kidding me? They knew what was promised. See, they knew what they were waiting on. They knew what they were meeting for. They knew what they were praying for. They knew what had been promised because verse 5 of Acts chapter 1 says, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. I'm waiting on something better, a promise from the Father. Acts 2 and 1 says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and by the way, it's still here, was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. See, there was no distraction. I'm convinced that we don't see and witness as often as we should the power and operation of the Holy Spirit because we're too distracted. Devastating effects of the digital age. We're too distracted. I, I can tell you, listen. I've been guilty of checking Facebook in church. Oh my God, the preacher. I've been guilty of checking an email in church or flipping at a text in church. I've been guilty of it. And if you haven't, praise God. But I dare say most of us have been guilty of something too that has distracted us. I'm asking, Lord, move in our midst today in a way we've never known. Lord, give us today a suddenly moment. Because we have subtly fell in and we have subtly been having things stripped away and we have subtly been being devastated for so long. Lord, suddenly move today in our midst and change us. Lord, do more than just make a shout. Move in our midst today. And in the, in the Bible, we go on and we read an Acts and it says, And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all. It filled all the house. Why? Because they were there waiting on the promise in one accord with prayer and supplication. It didn't just fill the third row back. It didn't just fill the, the prayer room. It filled all of the house. And Lord, I'm asking you to do it again. Fill it in the nursery, in the front office, in the children's church, in the youth room, out in the parking lot, in the driveway, down Pine Ridge Drive. Fill all the house, Lord. See, a lot of us are afraid that they're going to call us fanatical. Good. I'm an informed fanatic. I know what I'm shouting about. 
We're afraid they may call us a, a pew hopper. Or a body pin slinger. My, and, you know, I grew up, man, they had them tight buns and they, they, they slung them things, bobby pins, whatever. But we're afraid that if, if, the, if the Holy Spirit begins to move in our life, He may make us do something we want to do. He is not a God of force. The Holy Spirit will never embarrass you. He will never make you feel a fool. He may, he may bring you out of your, He will bring you out of your comfort zone. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit desires to move in you today. Today. Today He desires to do it. So in verse 3 it says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And I'm saying, Lord, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Lord, fill this room. Lord, let us hear a sound from heaven. Lord, do it again. We've been distracted for too long. We've been pulled this way and that way and every which way for way too long. And all we can think about is what we want to do after. I don't want to be an after. I want it to be a continual thing. And that's what He desires to do. People thought they were drunk. But Peter knew what was going on because Peter knew the Word and he knew what was promised and he proudly stood up and proclaimed in, in verses 16 through 18 in Acts chapter 2. And, he, and <coughs> he said, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What you have read is happening now. Guess what? It ain't over. He said, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. I don't know what in the world I'm fixing to do, but it's okay. It'll dry. Pour out. I'll pour out. I'm not going to do a little drop, a little mist. I'm going to saturate, drench you. I will pour it out on you if you will only make yourself available. I'll cover you from head to toe. Yesterday, my grace, if I ever had any, disappeared. I, we were out on the lake, and, and Anthony and Melissa, we were out there, met up with them, and I thought I was going to uh, plop up on the back of the boat like a cool guy, and I, I landed on our tow uh, thing for our, our uh, skis, and it, it hurt. I was like, oh my God. So when I got home, Gemma said, Dad, come jump in the pool, jump in the pool, jump in the pool. Okay, I'm coming, honey. And I'm going to run and be super dad. And I, I literally, I think I broke my middle toe on my left foot because I kicked the stair. And I did a big shin plant down the side of the pool. And went, but I went head first. <laughs> so if I'm limping today, it's for a reason. But I was determined. I was hot. We'd been out there. We were talking to David and Sheila, and I was hot. My head was cooking because I don't. I just cut my hair short. If you hadn't noticed, I mean, it's it's shorter than it was. But I'm like, man, I'm getting in the pool. I ain't tiptoeing in. I ain't walking down the ladder. I'm just gonna do a watermelon, a cannonball, or something. I didn't go in gracefully, but I went in. But today, I desire the same saturation that I received yesterday in that pool. I desire that from the Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't want a, a drop. I want to be flooded. I want you to overwhelm me, to overtake me, and to have your way. David said that I am, you prepared a table.
table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointed my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When he does something, he don't do it just a little bit. He does it more than enough. Jesus said that I come to give you life and give it more abundantly. said, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And there's some people seeing some things, and I don't know if it's from the Lord or not, but listen. He desires to move in your life. said, oh, my servants and my handmaidens, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. It's about time we start prophesying, speaking the word of God. And I know that this era, that in this era today, that this is not a popular message, but I was not called to please men. I was not called to be popular, but I was called to follow Him and be His. People want answers. This is what's going on. People are marching. They want answers. And rightfully so. Why is this happening? Or why is that happening? But until the church stops segregating, until the church starts being the church and stops playing church, until the church will get on their face before God Almighty and cry out to forgive us and heal our land, until the church will allow the Holy Spirit to search them and know them and change them, until the church will let the Holy Spirit move in their life, don't think something else is going to change. Why are you shocked that one without the Lord is tearing something up? Listen, there may be somebody marching that is tearing something up that knows the Lord, but it's easy to get caught up in emotion. People are burning down their own city. They're angry. And again, they're rightfully so, they should be angry. A man was murdered. Murdered. And most of us have probably seen the video, and when you can watch the video and just scroll to the next post and it did not disturb you and make you sick to your stomach, there's something terribly wrong. And listen, it was a black man that lost his life, but it could be in a white or Hispanic or, or an Asian or anybody else. A life was lost. A life was lost. I'll preach this morning. And it's terrible. But listen to me carefully, church. When we think that we're better, when we think we've got all the answers, when all you're outraged about is a courthouse being burnt down and not a soul going to hell, we're in trouble. Is it right to burn? No. Is it right to destruct? No. Not at all. But there's more to be concerned about. But if anything needs to burn, it needs to be the church of the living God. Set us on fire today and let us burn so they may see you. They may see your good works. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Set us ablaze today, Lord. It's time that the church rise from the ashes. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. Here we are in Ephesians 2. Told you we'd get here. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk 
as children of the light. You go into chapter, or, uh, verse 14 in chapter 2, and you, you read, Wherefore he said, he said what? He was repeating Isaiah 60 and verse 1, Awake thou who sleeps, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. We know that we're the light of the world because of Christ that's in us. We aren't. It's Christ that's in us. We are the light of the world. But we've got to wake up from this lethargic state and get our face out of social media and out of the internet and watching all this garbage. Let me tell you something. The news don't care. I don't care what news station you watch. There is no righteous news station. They're all full of lies and they all want to stir discord and hate. This is what they feed on. This is what makes them money. I strongly encourage you, you do what you want, but here's my recommendation. Turn the TV off. Get in your word and pray and seek His face. Get your face out of social media and your eyes off the internet and get your face before God, on your face before God, and look to Jesus Christ, again, the author and finisher of our faith. And as, as the devastating as the digital age is, I believe that there is still a hungry people, there is still a remnant who desires all that the Lord has. I believe that there is a generation who wants more of Him, who desires everything that He has, and at all costs, I will follow you. Did you know that most people will make fun of the millennials? They don't know, they're not informed, they're not... Listen, I'm going to tell you something, they're very smart. They are informed and they do want to know and they want to know what's going on. And, the, and the, this Generation Z, they want to know. This is why they look and they look through things and they flip through and they scroll. They want to know answers and they want them and they want real truth. But the, guess what? The previous generations have failed to give the truth because all we want to do is encourage them to pursue your dream. Pursue and seek Him first and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. This is why I said to Brandon, Ryan, and Brian, be careful not to get your won't confused with His will. I'm going to say the same thing to everybody in here and that we'll watch. Don't get your won't and His will confused. There's still a remnant that's hungry. I want to tell you, if you're watching, you're in here. If you need salvation, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. If you need healing, it's today. Deliverance, it's today. Restoration, it's today. If you need your marriage restored, today is the day. If you need joy and peace, today is the day. There is no reason to walk out of this place in the way, in the shape you came in. No reason. There's no reason you should ever leave the presence of the Holy Spirit in worse shape than when you came. You desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. If your desire is a refilling of the Holy Spirit, today's the day. Arise and wake up. How can we, how can we come into the presence of, it ain't because of who's preaching. I can spit and spew everywhere. It don't matter. It, it is not because of who's preaching. How can we come into the presence of the Holy Spirit and do nothing? And sit with an attitude of, Lord, bless me if you can. Truth is, the church is calloused. Truth is, we're more worried about what's going to happen tomorrow than we're expecting for Him to do today. 
Every one of us should be on our face before Him today. We live in a day where people are desensitized. Desensitized. When you can watch again someone be murdered as if, and it don't infuriate you and you just scroll on to that next post. We live in a day where young girls feel they need to dress like a hooker and dance provocatively for a video to get a bunch of likes and attention. And I'm not going to apologize for using the word. We live in a day where people team up and, and they'll talk to each other through these headsets like they're flying helicopters sitting in a chair in front of their video screen playing a game and saying, Yes, you got a headshot! And it's celebrated. Because it's not real. It's fantasy land. I get points. We won, we won, we won. No, you didn't. Now you got people walking down the street, pulling people out of their cars and beating them and killing them for no reason. They ain't done nothing. They're not involved in anything. But life don't matter. If all lives matter, then where is the church? We're, we're desensitized. We watch junk on TV. We watch... Uh, 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 whatever you call them, sitcoms with homosexual parents and, well, it's okay, they're funny. It's not funny. Sin's not funny. Going to hell is not funny. It's not to be celebrated. Murdering people is not funny. Dancing like you're trying to get a tip stuck down your G-string is not funny. It's sad. And the world is thriving on it. Oh, I know this is old-fashioned and old-timey, and, and, and I probably ain't going to get to ask to come preach down there at the second uh, house of God or prayer or whatever. But we live in a day where, where people don't care no more. They don't care. We live in a day where life is not valued. Again, racism and bigotry are rampant. Sin is celebrated, and the church is silent. All we want to do is celebrate Pentecost Sunday and get our shout on. I'll come to get my whoop, whoop, whoop. It's all I want. But He wants to change you. He wants to break us and humble us. Because if you'll understand Philippians chapter 2 where Paul was writing to the, to the Philippian church to let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus that He took on the form of a servant. We constitute a great service as somebody ran the aisle or jumped the pew or did something. I constitute a great service when I got to meet with my brothers and sisters in the Lord and we lifted up the name of Jesus. Isaiah 50, or not 58, but 5 verses 18 through 20 says, Woe unto them who draw iniquity with cords of vanity. People are just drawing it up. They're bringing it up. They're piling sin upon sin, iniquity upon iniquity, and sin as it were uh, with a cart rope, who say, let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. This day they were mocking, they were mocking the prophecies of Isaiah. Oh, let it be done, let it be done. We'll celebrate. See, we want to see something before we celebrate. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. 
Verse 20 says, Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And my question is simple this morning. Where is the church? I don't know. We're good. We like to be keyboard warriors and we like to make comments and we like to make posts and, and we want to talk about this person and that person or what about this incident or that incident when we should be talking about Jesus Christ, the only one who's going to change the world. When you can only see an individual as a thug and not a soul that needs Jesus, there's a problem. Because if it weren't for the saving blood of Jesus Christ effective in my life, I would probably be one of the thugs out in the streets tearing junk up. They're not thugs. They're people who need the Lord. You can call them what you want. and You can argue all you want. But I'm telling you, this is a soul that needs Jesus. And when you want to label them and, and condemn them and convict them and talk about them, just throw them out somewhere and not pray for them, there's a problem. Truth is this. Our nation, this great United States of America is not united. It's divided. It's a land divided because the church is divided. I had a comment made to me and it was not it was made out of, it wasn't made in a bad way. But I, I was asked this question, and, and it's, it's no knock, but I think I told Terrence and Melissa before, and it was made by a pastor to me, and this is how it was made. Who pastors a white church and asks a black man with a Hispanic wife to come be their youth pastors? I said, first of all, I never said we were a white church. And I don't care what color they are or nationality or who anybody is. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't care. And it does not matter when you can stop looking at people for who you think they are and begin to see people as a brother and sister in the Lord and you worship with them and you rejoice with them and you cry out with them and you, you work with them and walk with them because the truth is the church is a joke. I might seem a little fired up and a little irritated. I am. I'm very irritated. Not at what's not, listen, not at what CNN or Fox or MSNBC or ABC or whatever anybody other sees or showing. I'm infuriated that we the church have let things just go and never prayed about it. We've never lost sleep over it. I ask again, I've asked this question often, when's the last time the gospel's offended you? If it's been a while, you need to get on your face. Because it should offend us every single day because I'm nothing without Him. I'm nothing without Him. The only difference in the world and much of the church is that we've learned to mask the devastation. Hide it under our Sunday clothes and walk out like we're rejoicing. Knowing inside we're in turmoil. Our life is chaos. I led worship for 10 years and my life was a living hell. I know how to do it. I might have fooled everybody, but I wasn't fooling me. And I certainly was not fooling him.
But until brokenness is what you truly long for, and holiness is what you're seeking, this is what He desires to do in our lives. He desires to change us, to move in us, to have His way, not so you can say, look at me. I don't care if I ever get an invitation somewhere else to preach the gospel. If this is the last message I preach in my entire life, I want you to know that He desires to change you. He desires to change me. When we preached and we made it all about the platform and all about who we are and what we've said and where we've been and who we've reached, it's wrong. He desires for us to be the body. We the church, we need to put down our smart devices and get on our faces before the Lord. Repent and petition for this world. Stop robbing yourself, your wife, your husband, your children. Put it down. Put it down. There's an old song. I say old. I don't know when it was written. By Casting Crowns. And it's fitting for today. And the worship team, y'all can make your way up. It's by Casting Crowns. And the name of it is If We Are the Body. The words say it's crowded in worship today. As she slips in trying to fade into the faces, the girl's teasing laughter is carrying farther than they know. But if we are the body, why aren't His arms reaching? Why aren't His hands healing? Why aren't His words teaching? If we are the body, why aren't His feet going? Why is His love not showing them there is a way? A traveler is far away from home. He sheds his coat and quietly sinks into the back row. The weight of their judgmental glances tells him his chances are better out on the road. But if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing his words teaching? If we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? Jesus paid much too high a price for us to pick and choose. Who should come? And we are the body of Christ. I encourage you today. To not fuel the fire. To not engage in a worthless argument but to seek His face, to pray for this nation. I am going to be brutally honest. I don't know what it feels like to be racially profiled. how I respond if that's what happened to me constantly 
Nor do most of us. Some of us may. But when we start seeking Him for who He is, when we will will stop whining and, 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 and fighting and bickering and arguing and we'll just say, Lord, have Your way. When we'll take a stand and not be silent any longer, I'm not talking about going and picking a fight. I'm talking about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Regardless, I watched an interview last night on the news with Sam. He's the Jesus saves guy. Down in Charlotte, if you've ever been downtown Charlotte, uptown Charlotte, I don't know what's politically correct, but I call it downtown Charlotte. At any event, I'm sure that you've seen Sam with his yellow sign, and this is his message. Jesus saves. Nothing more. Let Sam's message, let the gospel message be heard today. Jesus saves. He'll save a church from their their selves. He'll save you from yourself. He'll save your marriage, your joy, your peace. He'll rectify any wrong. He still heals and delivers. He is here today. I want to ask a question today. Where's the church? Where are you? There should not be one person in this place who does not get on their face before the Lord. Be it at your chair up here. I don't care where it is. But we need to ask the Lord to search us. Lord, change me. Lord, let me know what you, what you desire for me to do. Forgive me, Lord, for wasting time on a phone. Forgive me, Lord, for wasting time in social media when I should be in your word. Forgive me, Lord. Let us be a house who worships you. Let us be a temple where your train will fill, where we can't even stand in your presence. Forgive us, Lord. The phone is not more important. Nothing's more important than you. Lord, forgive us. Heal us. Give us a suddenly moment today. If you desire anything from Him today, come. Come. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Come. Anything, whatever it may be, I'm come. He's here. Stand if you will. Respond as you feel drawn as they sing.
He's still worthy. And I want to do exactly what I preach. You want to use the term prophesy. I'll let it be known. This house will be full of every color, every creed, every tongue, from every tribe, of every nation. From every walk of life, rich, poor, it does not matter. Because I'm telling you, God's delivering power is the same for me as it is anyone else. And if you don't like it, you might want to find somewhere else. Because I'm telling you, it is going to happen. He's able. He's able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We worship your name. Hallelujah. We worship your name. We worship your name, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship your name. We give you glory. We give you glory. Give you glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we give you the glory. Spirit asking us, will you be mine? Will you be mine? And that's a question only you can answer. He desires to move in your life to change the situation that you've cried for. That you've tried to change yourself and you cannot. He desires to make you new again. Or make you new today. I want to ask Terrence if you play something soft. I want you to respond. If you feel you need to go, that's fine. But I'm telling you, he desires to move in your life today.
Hallelujah. I'm not doing this to embarrass anybody, but Israel, if you come down here, please, sir. I want you to look at this man at the power and restoring power of God Almighty Himself. This, not only my friend, this is my brother in the Lord. Who when I look at, I don't see anything but the joy of the Lord. You want to know what God looks like? This. Look around you. His keeping power. His restoring power. His delivering power. God is up to something. And He wants to do it in your life too. But will you respond and let Him? Will you respond and let him come if you will?
I want you guys to remember this morning, not just this morning, but anytime, where Vicki Ramsey, her mother Betty, had a stroke last Sunday. She's in the hospital. She's not doing well at all. She needs a miracle. They've allowed Vicki to go back to the hospital and be with her in her last days, if you will. But it's not over until the Lord says it is but that he would bring peace and comfort in the room where Vicki is and Betty. And Vicki, if you're watching, we love you. Pray for you. For Arlene and Carlene, lift them up. They lost another family member. Give them strength. And the Kloniger family, a girl that uh, Summer and I went to school with, passed away suddenly. Don't know the circumstances or the details, but pray for that family. That he would continue to move and have his way. If you're watching and wondering what in the world's going on, I just want to tell you that it's the Holy Spirit having his way. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done. We more than welcome you here. Because God is faithful. He is faithful. Stay as long as you want. Respect those that are still praying. And uh, what? Bible school meeting in the back. If you turned your phone off, don't forget to turn it back on or you won't get a call. But uh, don't leave your children. They should be back by now, but they went to Wexford, Wexford House. But anyway, we love you guys. See you tonight, 6 o'clock. Be blessed.